0: well let's do some uh, meat and potatoes work on the virtues today because this is a meat and potatoes subject one that's hard to uh, frill up to say the least but one that's incredibly important our virtue for consideration today is the virtue uh, variously known as (laughs) self-control struggle with that one Bob Um, self-control temperance or moderation it would be interesting we won't do a show of hands but how many in here silently within yourself think that you're a person who has exceptional self-control you're a temperate person you're a person who could be described as moderate of soul or disposition Um, This is a biggie. Plato called it one of the four most seminal virtues. Aristotle actually did such work with those four virtues that early Christianity adopted them. Finally, Thomas Aquinas, one of the three or four most preeminent doctors of the church in our history. Aquinas literally conscripted that work of Plato and Aristotle finding in it really the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And Aquinas called... Aquinas called self-control or temperance, one of the four cardinal virtues, along with prudence, what we would call wisdom, fortitude, what we talked about a little, uh, a few weeks ago, courage, and uh, the other is justice. We're going to talk about justice and mercy in a week or two. But prudence, fortitude, and justice, along with temperance or self-control, were the four that Aquinas called the four cardinal virtues and over the last thousand years really Christian philosophers uh, have not contested that cardinal in the Latin originally meant something akin to hinge and so these were four hinge virtues on which the door of morality swung it's kinda a statement similar to Jesus saying love God love your neighbor as yourself everything else hinges on this or hangs on this Saint Paul esteemed the hinge of moral integrity called temperance so highly he esteemed self-control so highly that it made Paul's short list of virtues that he referred to as fruit of the spirit notice not fruits of the spirit but understanding that the virtues really are so intertwined that at times they almost feel synonymous they at least are Siamese in nature they're connected in such a life-giving way that to differentiate them almost demeans them but Paul called self-control one of the fruit of the Spirit look at that text Galatians 5 um, verses 19 through 23 people's desires make them give in to immoral ways filthy thoughts shameful deeds nobody's exempt from that everybody can resonate with that your desires get out of bounds and you do things that you're not proud of people end up speaking in general now it can be any sort of thing they can worship idols they can practice witchcraft I love the way Paul often gave in his list these really inflammatory national Enquirer kind of sins and then he would place them side by side contiguous with these really practical ones and about the time you know we're thinking about those people who worship idols and practice witchcraft we hear that he's also talking about people who hate people well we don't hate people we love everybody Can't stand them but we love them In Christ And then he, he, he gets even plainer And he says They worship idols they practice witchcraft They hate others and they're hard to get along with They're, they're not only into witchcraft But sometimes they're worse Jealous Angry Angry They struggle with worshiping idols, but they're also selfish. They argue a lot. They cause trouble. Envious. They get drunk. Carry on at wild parties. Did y'all all all have a good Saturday night, last night? Everybody? Everybody clean? Clear? Clear? and they do other evil things as well I told you before he said and I'm telling you again look at this no one who does these things will share in the blessings of God's kingdom that is such a broader statement than that idea that we had of one day dying and going to heaven the kingdom of God is within it's around it's among it's the fullness that God wants for our lives and people who live like that, they, they just totally miss out on the blessings of God's kingdom. But God's spirit, on the other hand... See, we were created in the image of God. And created in God's image, God's spirit, that brooded over the face of the deep, that breathed into humans. Numa, breath, hagion, holy, the Holy Spirit of God that breathed into humans vivified them and made them a living being created in the image of God God's spirit makes us loving happy, the old King James we remember love, joy, peace loving happy there are nine of these, watch them peaceful patient this is who you were born to be kind good faithful gentle and the last one last but not least self-controlled there's no law against behaving in any of these ways that's a cryptic statement that translators translate in many ways I almost feel as though Paul was saying if people live these out there is no need for legal systems, there's no need for juridical processes, punishment, penal institution. If people lived as they were created to live with love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness or meekness, and self control or temperance, we'd save a lot of tax money on police officers probation officers, correctional facilities. No law would be necessary. A later New Testament text, Second uh, Peter, written long after, but really the Petrine community created First and 2 Peter from the writings and the thoughts of Peter. It was a major denomination in the early church. Denominations in the early church kind of revolved around figures like John had the Johannine community. Peter and his followers had the Petrine community. And then there was the largest, the Pauline community. Well, the Petrine community, probably 50, 60 years after Paul's writings, really tried to recapture Paul's writings in, in practical ways. Uh, Peter... Uh, first Peter actually says that Paul's stuff is hard to understand but literally ascribes to it value as Holy Scripture. It's the first time in the early church that any of the writings we call the New Testament are looked upon or even touted as being Scripture. So that's done by the Petrine community with that said the writer said but Paul's stuff's hard to understand so he tried to recapture it and he recaptures some of the fruit of the Spirit 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9, this goes to that idea of original virtue and being born in the Father's house and the image of God and what we really need to do is to mine down into the DNA, of the fabric of how we were created and be that. Um, Peter writes here, we have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. It's all there. It was all given to us by God's own power when we learned he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness that's what the virtuous life is it's sharing in the character of God God made great marvelous promises so his nature would become a part of us original virtue and if that happens then we get to escape that sin list that Paul gave we escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world do your best to improve your faith by adding goodness add to your faith these abstract ideas that you say you believe add to your faith goodness understanding self-control patience devotion to God concern for others and love you you won't do it perfectly but if you keep growing in this way it will show that what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ that's a great line I I talked to a a friend of mine longtime friend of mine the other day who uh, was raised in the Christian church and is now at least agnostic and uh, she's young enough to call herself an atheist and she's really kind of settling into that position very smart young lady but she's just kind of worn out with the church and theology and I asked her I said do you really looking at the Judeo-Christian tradition just ours do you see that that has impacted by and large the world in a positive way I was hoping her answer would be well Yes, even if it was just from a sociological perspective, the advantages of religion. But she said, no, I really don't. I think Christianity has done, the Abrahamic tradition that is fleshed out in Christianity has done more harm than good. I disagree with her. And that, that could be a, a, a long series that is open to a lot of discussion. But I disagree with her on that. But I don't think that she's lacking material to work with because in the name of Christ in the name of every religion bad things have happened right the writer here is aware of that and said add to your faith add to your orthodoxy and your right positions some really practical things like just goodness you know goodness goes a long way understanding self-control Patience, devotion to God. Make sure that your Christianity includes actual concern for others and love. And here's what will happen if you keep growing in this way, it will show that what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ, it will show that Christianity actually is useful and meaningful, particularly your life. Wouldn't you like for your neighbor to look at you and say, This is a useful person in the world? and I would even hope that they felt like my faith has advantaged me and made me more useful and meaningful Um, one more verse there but if you don't grow you're like someone who's nearsighted or blind and you've forgotten that your past sins are forgiven self-control let me just say a few things again very meat and potatoes self-control I. Looked at a study this week done by Dr. Martin Seligman um, Not just Hill but a lot of his colleagues at University of Pennsylvania They literally surveyed You talk about statistically significant um, They surveyed over 2 million people And they asked 2 million plus people Through this long survey This long study done at UPenn Ivy League School They asked them to rank order their character strengths And Seligman and his colleagues gave 24 specific character titles 24 specific skills that people would consider Self-control came in 24th out of 24 Two million people surveyed again don't raise your hands but do you do you count yourself as a temperate person or one who possesses self-control anybody here struggle with flying off the handle anybody here repeatedly Find yourself backing up from yourself While driving down the road Incredibly angry at someone who cut you off Anybody here besides me Back up and look at yourself at times Just go to the ceiling of the car Look down at yourself and say My Lord Really? You can't do better than that? Anybody have adolescent children here? Anybody after Working through with your kids Anybody ever go to your own room and think to yourself goodness surely I can do better in terms of restraint psychological emotional control by definition self-control is the ability to control govern or regulate one's emotions desires and behavior let me say that again, it's a mouthful it's the ability to control govern or regulate notice I did not say to negate to make disappear but the ability to be in control of the ability to be the governor of the ability to regulate my emotions my desires and my behaviors in the face of not only external demands but my own boiling psychic spectrum self-control its the ability to steward you know what stewardship is it's when you take and you are responsible to steward your affections your desires your feelings your thoughts your actions your behaviors responsibly to be in control of those things as opposed to being tossed to and fro all the time riding the roller coaster of your own brain chemistry knee-jerking or reacting your way all the way through life self-control self-mastery might be too lofty a term but the attempt at self-mastery the Apostle Paul told the church he said you must learn to set your affections in the Greek it's a a profound little Hebrew idiom that's borrowed into the Greek but the setting of your affections literally is the picture of taking by the nap of the neck and placing it where it's supposed to be Paul said this is what you need to do with your affections your emotions you need to set them we all know what it means to be set by our affections, don't we? Anybody here ever been set by your affections? Anybody ever ever been taken by the nap of your neck by your affections and set somewhere? Some of you right now are probably in harm's way and in unenviable positions because you have made unfortunate decisions. You have been set. Instead of acting thoughtfully, you have reacted emotionally and the consequences are upon you it's also in in classic literature it's also called moderation moderation it's the ability to defer gratification it's the ability to delay gratification how many of you here find yourself incredibly adept at delaying gratification the ability Not only to delay, but perhaps even more core to the idea of moderation. Not just deferring and delaying gratification, but limiting gratification. How about that? Too much of a good thing isn't always a great thing, is it? Moderation, the ability to limit gratification. To be the moderator of your life in a sea of many voices, both within and without. I'll say that again. The ability to be at the helm of your own ship in a sea of many voices, some without you and some within you. Moderation. It's that world between asceticism. And you know asceticism is that that idea of severe denial. Somewhere moderation lives between asceticism and complete rejection and radical indulgence somewhere between asceticism and indulgence is this thing called moderation and I can tell you whatever personality I am whatever number I am on the Enneagram I have found abstinence often much simpler to navigate than moderation anybody here know what I'm talking about it's easier just to have no potato chips than to try to eat one right As the science and the spirituality of addiction develops and we understand more and more we all know that the extreme poles of excessive indulgence and ascetic many many holiness religious sects indulge themselves in a raw asceticism championing absolute abstinence as the ultimate spiritual goal when really it takes more John it takes far more spiritual maturity to live somewhere between the two in the land the soulish land of moderation I, I think about Paul in 2nd Timothy 6 this is so practical and I'm I'm so mindful in my own life because I I, I have found this bio rhythm this bio rhythm of the soul my whole life of, you know, people say, well, you have an addictive personality. I don't know that any of us don't have an addictive personality. Some to a more fevered pitch than others. But when I think about the dsm 4 and now dsm 5 and I think about psychological illnesses and maladies. And I, as a pastor, have sat near those and kind of been the emergency room physician that gets people on to the respective experts. I'm telling you, there's never a time that I sit with somebody, whether it's ADD, ADHD, OCD, bipolar 2, bipolar, paranoid schizophrenia, clinical depression. I never sit with anybody, but what, when they leave my office, I think to myself, you know, I think I have a little dab of that myself. because we all do these these maladies we call them are often brain chemistry socialization that has yielded an extreme form of something that is originally good I take simvastatin for my liver because my liver creates more cholesterol than most of yours brains are organs just like livers and this isn't all about spirituality and how much you love God some of this has to do with genetic predisposition, socialization certainly there's spirituality and choice involved but this is such a this is such a complex admixture that the algorithm of righteousness is not as simple as I once thought x plus y equals z no it's many many variables nobody can measure the gravitational pull of a temptation that another person feels my daughter is watching YouTube videos about people with superpowers recently and she has determined that she has a superpower and that superpower is that she does not feel pain this 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 is not it's not going to end well I'm just telling you that it's not going to end well (laughs) but just before I came in here she was back in the class before she came out here to set to you know to seeing she was in the class she said hey dad punch me in the back this has been the last three or four days <laughs> that's, that's not going to help get me in the right place for church battering my child so I, I don't want to do that right now I'll punch you later she said no <laughs> punch me in the back And so I tapped her on the back just barely tapped her and she was like felt nothing superpower her superpower is she doesn't feel pain but it it made me think and we have MD's in this room who are pain specialists. man the psychology of pain every doctor especially in a world of a world of anesthetics opiates doctors far and wide wish that everybody had an LED on their brow where you could get a, a, a register of how much they really are hurting so we could medicate and effectively minister to them but we know pain can't be compared can it the pain that makes one person cry perhaps another person can bear. And we all talk unfairly about, well, I have a high pain threshold or I have a low pain threshold, but we really don't know how acute one another's nerve endings are. The same blow to the back might actually indeed feel because of physiological differences in the nervous system. Well, what I'm saying is the same is true of temptation. I come from a teetotaling line of people with no disposition to alcohol I didn't grow up on alcohol um, I don't have any desire to drink alcohol I don't know why somebody would take a good bottle of Welch's grape juice and ruin it <laughs> I know that's painful to some of you I, I'm the most boring liberal in the world it's just crazy um, I don't take advantage of any of the liberties um, but because alcohol has never been a part of my life it is so it has been in times past so easy for me to be condescending toward those stand there I have friends that I know love God love people and are strong in so many ways and they drive by the liquor store and their body shakes and for me to transfer over and impose upon them my journey the writer of Hebrews said you know as we run this weight race we should lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and he was singular there because the sin that does so easily beset me may not bother you at all I, I have grave temptations that at times I have been vulnerable enough to share with other people and felt the pain of them looking at me thinking well what's wrong with you because they they have no sense no gravitational pull but the writer said we all have weights and sins that easily beset us I mean they they can take us down with both hands tied behind their back and another person thinks well what's wrong with that poor fool and again righteousness, holiness, right living is not this simple rubric of X plus Y equals Z. God said, do it, you do it, it's righteous. God said, don't do it, you do it, it's unrighteous. Simple. No, 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 it's, it's this quadratic formula of minus B plus or minus the square root of 4AC square all over 2AB. I don't know if I got that right. It's a long time since eighth grade. But you get what I'm saying? There are a lot of variables involved aren't you glad that God sees all of those variables and when I I, I might go nine months without even thinking to drink a glass of wine and then only because somebody has me to dinner and I don't want to be rude and I, I had a friend just yesterday one more time estranged from their child. One more time. The long phone call from a rented hotel saying I can't be there. One more time a child disappointed. One more time a child trying to understand. One more time to chalk that all up to somebody loves God or they don't love God what a tragic mistake, what a poor version of spirituality that would be self-control is a difficult and tender subject and for somebody to clean up, put a white shirt on and comb their hair and stand up in front of a crowd and just say we all ought to have more self-control, well yes but how how do I get honest with myself and say these are the sins these are the broken places that I can fall into I can get swept into like a tsunami I I look so strong and so controlled and so steely in so many ways I'm such a compartmentalizer and I can just build steel thick walls between actions and reactions and then there's this area of my life that does so easily beset me. It's not all about spirituality I I called a friend of mine the other day and I said called his name said how you doing he said good somehow in the conversation I said something about smoking a cigarette he said "Oh, I don't smoke anymore I said, you don't. You've smoked two to three packs of non-filter camels for three to four decades. You don't smoke? He said, no. He's an old country boy, oil man. He said, no. I said, how'd you do it? He cussed and said, well, I quit. (laughs) John, I said, well, what'd you do? Hypnosis, the patch? What'd you do? And he cussed again. I'm trying not to be like Phyllis Tickle and I'm not Nina told me the other day that quoting somebody doesn't make it right so he <laughs> he literally he said oh heck Stan he said I quit I said you didn't use the patch he said no he said Stan if you don't quit something just quit something <laughs> he doesn't claim to be a Christian he doesn't have any overt religious form of spirituality. He just is a steely constitutional guy that looks at a pack of cigarettes and says if I won't quit them I'll quit them. And then I've watched poor old pathetic Christians like us fast and pray and get hypnosis and wear patches all over our body <laughs> and keep falling. And you're comparing apples and oranges because nobody can take his life his socialization there's no LED for the soul that weighs these kinds of things but I will tell you three things that have helped me and I'll just say them really quickly with self-control I don't need self-control in the areas where the gravitational pull is slight I'm one of those people I I do not not exercise self-control with liquor, chemical substances. I don't exercise self-control. Those are off the grid of my life up to now. It could change. You guys know that. It could change. There are people who fall into that late in life. But for me to act like my temperance in those areas is somehow some kind of spiritual effort on my part, not so. It's not the sin that does so easily beset me. But those that have lived long with me could stand up and say, here's where Stan's weak. Three things. <laughs> Cicero said temperance is the moderating of one's desires in obedience to reason. Temperance is the moderating of one's desires in obedience to reason. Self control is impacted by our beliefs. And self control in almost every study has been associated with intelligence and spiritual enlightenment. The more you learn, by life or by study you are advantaged every day Nina and I we do have a disposition towards sweets some would call it an addiction it is controlled but it could be bad could be every day she's ready for her snack somewhere around 8 o'clock in the morning And she learned early on that once you expend your stack, it's expended. And now, for Ferlene, often I tell her, you know, about 1 o'clock, she's like, Hey, Dad, can we get our snack? Because we get it together. We imbibe together. And I'm like, Sis, if we do it, we got the rest of the day to get through. And that'd be horribly depressing not to have something to look forward to. See the addiction involved in that? I'm not, the more I'm talking about this, the more unhealthy I'm thinking my answer for her is but I'm watching her I'm watching her move from I don't care I want it now, to a lot of times Kim, she measures and she thinks whew, there's 10 more hours in this day I think I'll Stan Jr. Friday at a golf tournament, I went out Thursday or Friday, I went out to Montgomery Bell and watched him his golf tournament, he's a good golfer he had a kind of a bad hole and he got frustrated and he missed a putt he should have made and as soon as he missed it I watched 16 year oldness take over 16 year olds not bad if you're 16 what's bad is when 16 year oldness takes over Todd and us 46 year olds 47 year olds but I watched him he missed the putt and he left himself a one footer well nobody misses one footers and instead of doing what a discipline Person does and walking over like he would normally and marking it, stepping back, breathing because pros miss one footers. Yeah. Terry, I saw him, he missed the putt that he was supposed to make for a birdie, and I thought in my head, a birdie's about to turn into a bogey because he marched over, reached down there, and tapped it and blew it about three feet past. He walked off the green. I walked over to him put my arm around him and I said you know how you learn to not miss one foot putts he said how I said you miss one or two intelligence reason enlightenment some of self-control Terius Maximus said it's when you learn and you choose rather to punish your appetites than to be punished by them because your appetites and emotion out of control will punish you anybody ever been punished by missing one foot putts and having to live with the consequences second thing real quick I want to tell you beyond learning and life and really trying to accrue wisdom because eventually you suffer enough pain that the next time Stan Mitchell Jr., this week, today, right now, he's down in Huntsville, Alabama, playing in the big tournament, and he's going to miss a five-footer today for birdie. I can almost guarantee you he's going to mark that one-foot putt. Second thing I want to say is my self-control. I have had to recognize that there are some areas that will forever be my Achilles' heel and the more accountable I can make myself to people who love me and the more I can hem those things in with community, the better off I am. In Galatians 6, Paul said, this is the way a community works. If a brother or a sister is overtaken by a fault. Do you hear? That's good language. He didn't say if a brother or a sister hypocritically runs down a sin, tackles it, lassos it, jumps a straddle of it. And he said, no, they're not running after it But if a brother or sister is overtaken You know what overtaken means? It means it caught you from behind It drug you down Anybody ever feel like that? You got those things that you run really well with But you got these other weaknesses in your life That they're always You can't outrun them They just chase you down You want to learn how to run better? Paul said if a brother or sister is overtaken by a fault Those of you who are healthy Restore such a one Pick them up, dust them off, encourage them, help them, hold them accountable. And Paul said, do that in a spirit of meekness and humility, lest you be the next one tempted. David said, oh God, when I fall, don't let me fall into the hands of people. And I think that the Christian church should be the antidote to that to where we would be able to pray on this side of Christ's life Oh Lord if I ever do screw up I pray people like Glenn Simmons are there to help me clean up the mess because he won't pour acid in my wounds he'll say well sure you did now you can do better Ted Hewitt that's I pray to create the kind of church that would be a soft place for people to land when they fall if you struggle with self-control in an area find yourself an accountable group that will take care of you that will hold you accountable but will give you love and the last thing I would say is the disciplines prayer meditation and study I can't clean it up for you today but if you don't find a way to the spiritual disciplines of meditation prayer silence solitude study reading I just want you to know the virtuous life does not come by liposuction shortcuts or fad diets true integrity holiness of character you don't you don't just eat bonbons and peach cobbler and then go in for a tummy tuck It's not the way it works the old wise man said it's like two dogs wrestling inside of me a good one and an evil one and the question was which one wins and he simply retorted the one that I feed the most and there's just I wish I could tell you that there's some there's some shortcut route to moral fabric and character to self-control but as one of my literary mentors often said, a man who seemed to have the muses singing in his ears great poetry, song, and prose. When asked, when do the muses come for you, as we waited for the romantic answer, this great literist said, I'll tell you when the muses come to me, every morning at 9 o'clock when I make myself sit down at the typewriter. I wish it were more romantic than that, John, but it's not there are no shortcuts to holiness and moral character learn make yourself accountable hem yourself in, and know that these weaknesses are probably always going to be yours to deal with build a community around yourself and wake up in the morning and instead of waiting for the three o'clock in the afternoon mistake or the nine o'clock failure at night somewhere between six and eight in the morning take five or ten minutes and set your affections there are no fad diets this is a lifestyle called virtue integrity and character can you say Amen Amen. I want Justin to come he's going to receive the offering and we'll close the service let's pray as the offering is being prepared the ushers are preparing Lord thank you for this good church these good people and this soft place to land thank you Lord that you have built into us as Peter's scripture said everything we need for life and godliness help us Lord to become people of discipline self-regulation self-governance and self-control recognizing that embedded in that self is the gift of the Holy Spirit of God the image of God given to man waiting to be exercised and called upon thank you Lord for your spirit within give us strength and even more give us sense we have missed too many one foot putts in our life we have disappointed one too many children we have broken too many promises may we be people Of self control. By your Spirit, we pray this in Christ's name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.